the Board Ape brand is really powerful as an image. I would compare it to something like Hello Kitty, which is Hello Kitty is a global phenomenon brand. It's incredible in apparel. It's incredible in merchandise. It has this sort of like personality identifier defining thing going on with it. And at the same time, like it's not really story-based. The Hello Kitty comic, the Hello Kitty movie is not something that you really see coming out of it. And I think what a lot of people in Web3 were kind of discounting while they watched this IP revolution happen was that taking IP from a static image and turning it into a season of television or a piece of global IP that's consumed as entertainment is a huge lift. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of NiceWork. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders, and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the Metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Bryce Anderson. Bryce started his career and bought his first Bitcoin as an assistant at the United Talent Agency. He then worked in creative development at Warner Brothers before joining Clubhouse Pictures at its inception in 2015. He worked on the producing team for Bright, Birds of Prey, and iTonia, amongst others. At NiceWork, we had the pleasure of working with him and his team on the branding of a Web3 project, Runner. Today, we talk about some of the challenges facing producers in Hollywood to get their ideas made, and how Web3 offers a unique alternative to how we build, share, and tell stories. He shares what Runner is and how Hollywood-level world building can allow many people to contribute to a multifaceted story. And he shares his long experience in NFTs and what he believes the Board Ape Yacht Club got right and wrong. Enjoy. Bryce, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I, I appreciate your time and making the effort. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I mean, we've been working on a project on and off together for the last while. But before we jump into to Runner, I just want to hear your story. I mean, you you've done a lot in your career um, up until this point, but I think on a pre-call, the big thing you talked about is that Web3 is forcing you to take a more uh, public-facing role. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between being a producer in Hollywood and what it's like being a producer in Web3? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess a little bit about my background. I have been in a very kind of traditional, you know, film producer path. Um, I went to film school, got a degree in screenwriting, and I came out to Los Angeles. I got a job in a mailroom at United Talent Agency, which is one of the big talent agencies here in LA. Um, I worked there for about two years before I went to go work in the creative group at Warner Brothers. Um, and while I was there, I worked on movies like Mad Max Fury Road and the Lego movie or Lego Batman. Um, those big, uh, like the Meg, I don't remember that era. <laughs> and then, um, after that I went and I worked at Clubhouse Pictures, which is where I am now. And the interesting thing about all of those roles is they're kind of, they're behind the scenes film roles, right? They're, these are the people that are, um, I spent my career working in and around the people that are deciding what movies get made. Um, how movies get made, you know, what the price target of a certain budget is going to be, how movies get released, like that type of group. Um, and the interesting thing about working in that space is as a producer, uh, you're, you're very public facing to the crew and you're very public facing to uh, other people in Hollywood, but to the public, you are more or less invisible. Mm. Because when you go and sell a movie to the public, 
you turn around and you say, Hey, look, here's Tom Cruise, you know, Hey, look, here's, you know, Will Smith or Steven Spielberg or whoever it is. And that's the name that goes on the trailer. And those are the people that everybody thinks about. And the producers are, you know, it's, it's really their job to sit in the background and, you know, conduct the orchestra, but allow the, the shiny people to be out front and be out front selling a project. Mm. And the difference in Web3 is that the people that are collecting and participating in Web3, they want to know who's conducting the orchestra, right? They want to know the person in charge. And it's a little bit more like, a, you know, like the tech world in that way, where the CEOs have this sort of like outside kind of um, presence. Um, and that's been new and different and maybe a little bit scary, um, but also really kind of fun and um, is certainly, you know, personally one of the biggest differences about how my day is structured mm. in Web3 um, because it's a lot of things like this where I'm on the podcast rather than I'm organizing it so that someone else can go on a podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. So do you think you're doing a better job than Tom Cruise? If Tom Cruise had founded this project and had been doing these interviews, do you think it would have been a much bigger spectacle? I will never doubt Tom Cruise. <laughs> I will never, I will never fade Tom Cruise. But um, I, you know, I do think that I have a very specific uh, set of skills. <laughs> we go a little Liam Neeson on this. Um, I, I have a very specific <laughs> set of skills, and that is that I have been in crypto um, since about 2013. Um, I started it. It's funny. I actually started trading Bitcoin uh, while I was working at United Talent Agency. So my first desk in the industry was also, I remember the place because I was, I was on that computer, um, was also where I started trading uh, cryptocurrency. And so those two skill sets have kind of evolved you know, side by side. And for a long time, you know, movies were my day job and crypto is just sort of a, a, you know, a side hustle or a hobby of mine. And then with NFTs, suddenly culture was coming to blockchain and it became more and more apparent that it was like, oh, there might be a world where, you know, these two universes that I've kind of seen as separate for a very long time are, are about to collide and about to collide in a really real way. And that's been the case. Um, and it's really been, you know, my job now for the last year or so has been the intersection of blockchain with traditional Hollywood. I mean, that's interesting. So you you, you collected board apes before they were cool. You were sort of on the interest inside of a lot of these communities as they were forming and as the, the hype train kind of kicked in in sort of March 2021. What was it like watching these things that were interesting to you and a small group of people suddenly move into Hollywood territory with uh, famous people buying things for huge amounts of money and using them, Jimmy Kimmel and all these kind of people jumping on the bandwagon that you'd been playing on for a long time. Yeah, you know, it, it was really surreal. I think, like, I bought my first ape. I don't remember. It was like $800 or something. And it really got surreal when there was a moment, um, you know, when they started to be valued in, like, the tens of thousands of dollars. And I think, you know, that was sort of like... It was it was something that I'd been through before because I'd seen Bitcoin do the same thing. I'd seen Ethereum do the mm. same thing. Um, but what was so different about this mm. is it was public and it had this kind of identity attached mm. to it. So where something like, you know, Bitcoin is all about anonymity, right? You have five Bitcoin in a wallet. Nobody knows that wallet is yours. Um, that wallet is obfuscated. That wallet is a long string of hash that, you know, most people can't even read their own wallet mm. address, let alone remember somebody else's. Um, but with the ape, if you're out using it the way it should be used, which is that you should claim it on your socials, 
You should be interacting with these people in the discords. You should be interacting with these people in community events and meetups and all that kind of stuff. Suddenly it becomes this very public kind of asset that had, you know, in some ways that it had the the shape of cryptocurrency and at the same time um, was also something entirely different. And I think it was really fun, really exciting. There's a lot about that project that has inspired you know, runner and the projects we're working on now. Um, I think, you know, they they did a lot of things, um, that were groundbreaking that should be, you know, particularly when it comes to IP and the way IP is used and shared among the community, like some of the moves they made are just truly incredible. Um, I think they completely defined the, the space. And I think so many projects have just been either, a iteration on on that or a, a like we're not, we're not even going to try change we're just going to do the same thing that they did which is quite a powerful achievement yeah. for quite a small team yeah yeah they definitely set uh, you know a very strong trend i wouldn't say they're the only people in nfts i would say you know the one of one art world and the generative art world has, you know, a slightly different style mm. to it. Um, obviously, they've borrowed some of the board ape techniques, but you know, I, I would say that that community was pretty powerful before apes came along. Um, but I think, you know, certainly as we look to the future of NFTs and and what they will be long term, I think board apes is absolutely, you know a landmark achievement um, that will be the basis for, you know, a lot of inspiration for collections in the future. Definitely. So, so you, you know, kind of in the film world and you've been inspired by Bored Apes. Can you talk about your sort of journey into film three and, and why you even chose to do this as opposed to, continuing your proven track record of success in producing kind of traditional well, traditional movies in a in a kind of traditional way why did you choose to make the departure um well first of all i would i would actually argue against that we have made traditional movies in a traditional way certainly we've been successful in you know, the studio system. But um, if you go back to, you know, my boss, Brian Unkless, uh, created, he was the the kind of the lead project developer on The Hunger mm-hmm. Games back when he worked for Nina Jacobson. And, you know, they sold that project to Lionsgate, which was not a major studio at the time. That was a very unusual move. Um, we did it again when we, uh, we made a movie called Bright with Will Smith. Uh, we did that at Netflix and that was Netflix's first foray into like blockbuster sized mm. movies with AAA star power. Um, and we were the first project to do that there. And we did that, um, you know, before, before Netflix was sexy, right. It was, it was a very unusual move. And I think if we look at our track record, you know, making this type of move before other people see the play, uh, is actually kind of a hallmark of our company. Uh, but the other thing I would say is, you know, last year, kind of 2021, people started talking about IP in a very real way in the Web3 space in a way that they weren't talking about IP before. Because before it was about collecting, it was about, um, you know, sharing art. It was about being part of a group. Like those dynamics were all at play in nfts the thing that really changed that was when yuga came out and allowed people to use their ape imagery as a license that they could go and make anything with and the idea of this is really really powerful because suddenly instead of buying into a product you are buying a product but you are also buying the license to that product Mm. and you are able to use this to build like a big collective kind of brand building experience and i think um what happened that summer is everybody started looking around and saying, oh my God, this is the next Disney, right? Somewhere in Web3 is the next Disney. It's the next Marvel. We hear about it all the time. 
Um, but my experience having worked at Warner Brothers, having worked at these major companies, selling them IP for the last 10 years, was, yes, the potential for the next Marvel or the next Disney exists in Web3, right? I, I, I believe the technology can support this. However, for that to be the case, the IP that you're selling also has to compete with Marvel. It has to compete with Disney. It has to be good enough, right? That on the global stage, when you take the Web3 element out of it, when you take the innovation of the tech out of it, and you just look at it as a piece of IP, can it compete with those mm. companies? And to do that, you have to develop IP in, in a very kind of detailed way that is hard to do that thousands of people in Hollywood try to do every single day. Um, and, and what I didn't see in the web three spaces, I did not see the project that was going to be like the silver mm. bullet. Like that's the one that's going to cross over out of web three and into the mainstream, because that is the one that can support story. What I saw was a lot of brands that were really, really interesting. You know, the web, like the board eight brand is really powerful as an image. Um, I would compare it to something like hello kitty right? Which is Hello Kitty is a global phenomenon brand. It's incredible in apparel. It's incredible in, you know, merchandise. It has this sort of like, uh, kind of like personality identifier defining thing going on with it. And at the same time, like it's not really story-based, nah. right? The Hello Kitty comic, the Hello Kitty movie is not something that you really see coming out of it. And I think, um, what a lot of people in web three were, kind of discounting while they watched this IP revolution happen was that taking IP from a static image and turning it into a season of television or a piece of global IP that's consumed as entertainment is a huge lift. Mm. It's really, really hard to do. Um, you know, anybody can make TV if they have $10 million, but good TV is really, really hard. And the opportunity we saw was what happens if we approach Web3 the way we approach a movie and we bring in, you know, the highest level of director and the highest level of screenwriter and the highest level of animation company. And we approach this the way we would approach a television show. Um, and, you know, with Runner, that's what we did. We went and we got, you know, Blaze Hemingway as a screenwriter and a playwright and a comic book writer and an author. Um, he spent, you know, many, many years at the Disney animation story trust. So he, his fingerprints are on everything from like tangled to frozen to wreck it. Ralph, um, Zootopia. He did a rewrite on Tron legacy. Like, you know, he's on all those movies. Um, we went, we got Cedric Nicholas Troyan, who's an incredible VFX supervisor. He's an Academy award nominated VFX supervisor and animator before he became a full-time uh, live-action director when he did the Huntsman movies. Um, and we did a movie with us called Kate mm. that we worked with him on in uh, 2019. And that's when we started talking about this idea. We were like, hey, we wanted to do like a big animated anime idea uh, about vehicles with, with a lot of racing and a lot of cars and a lot of action. Um, what do you think? And, and, you know, those discussions are really what started the, uh, the, the world of runner and the, the inception of runner. And, um, that was, you know, the same way that we would approach any kind of, uh, movie development, we approach this NFT. And so if the NFT works right, when the NFT succeeds, we have that destination, already ready to go we know what the movie looks like we know what the television show looks like we know that the story we've created and the world we've created is detailed enough and is structured properly so that it can support a piece of call it triple a content um which puts us in a different position from what i was you know just to assume you know i'm sure there's people who've thought about it more deeply but most crypto projects have a really incredible piece of imagery or an incredible piece of branding but now they're trying to retrofit their way into a story yes. using the images they've created rather than allowing the story to create the images. And 
um, the, the difference in what you get out of that as a product, especially as a story product, really can't be overstated. I mean, I find this fascinating that you almost building the runner brand to its entirety before doing anything, which is, I think, you know, what she's saying. It's it's almost the opposite of how a lot of the the projects have been, where they're like, we have a seed of an idea with lots of potential, whereas this is you've spent a lot of time fleshing out the potential and understanding what it looks like. I mean, I remember interviewing Cedric and he's passionate about the fabric that the people are wearing in their suits and what that says about them and where that fabric comes from and what is the backstory of the side character because I need to understand how the village comes together because that affects how they build the cars and that affects what the cars look like. So I need to understand all of these pieces in order to draw the car right and and it seems it seems so wild to people who haven't been through this process before because it's such it's such a roundabout way because if you you know and it's it's been a funny kind of learning experience for me working this is my first time in the tech world Mm -hmm. really is working on this nft project and the way the tech world works is they say oh we can draw a car draw a car what do I need to do to draw a car? It's like, well, I need an artist. And then I sit down and they draw a mm-hmm. car. But of course, the way Cedric works is, no, I, I, of course I can draw a car. I don't need to draw a car. I need to draw the right car. I need to draw the car that makes sense inside of this world. And to make sense inside of this world, I need to understand the political structure, right? <laughs> so like, how do, you, how do you draw the car that reflects that? And when you're working on movies, this is a pretty common sort of tactic, which is you'll sit down with the art department and an art department on a feature film can be anywhere from, you know, six to 200 people. Mm-hmm. And you go through the script and you figure out what these locations are. And you figure out not only like where these locations are, but you design the color of these locations and you just design the furniture inside of these locations and you design the props inside you know, that sit on top of the furniture that exists inside of these locations. And it's just this layer upon layer upon layer of decision-making that is incredibly intentional, mm. um, where every single element that ends up in your screen was designed or built or purchased with the explicit knowledge of where it would belong inside of this project. And that's the kind of care that gets you to this place where you create content on a level um, that is, you know, higher than what you might get inside of a YouTube video or a student mm. film. And I think it was taking that philosophy of a, a professional art department and using that approach inside of an NFT world is really what, you know, landed us where we are today. Well, I mean, I, you keep referring to it as an NFT world, but I see it as a much bigger thing i think the nft is the the ip gateway to an entire universe of of content that that will be rolled out over the next few years hopefully i I talk about i talk about runner a lot as the the, as a the, the gravitational well at the center of a solar system or like the black hole, like that you can't look directly at it because you're not sure what it is, but you look at the things that orbit it and the things that orbit it are the NFT and the, you know, uh, and the comic book and hopefully in the future, a television show and a movie and a video game and merchandising and fashion and all of these things that surround this sort of central idea. Mm. And the question is, is how, you know, the idea has to be good enough to support all of those objects not as, uh, you know, not as these like kind of bolted on tertiary kind of cash grabs, but as uh, central to the thesis of what this universe Mm. is and can be. And I think, um, you know, it's taken a lot of care to get it to that place. But then I think the other mark of good world building is that there's a lot more to do and a lot more to explore. 
Because if you set it up properly from the beginning with an interesting set of challenges and questions and, you know, characters inside of this world, any character that you invent inside of this world will be interesting Mm. by virtue of what country they're from or, you know, what social class they're born to. Um, And that will be the start of story, uh, no matter, you know, who they are. And so everybody that's created inside of this world will be interesting. And it's because the work has been put into the world building. Mm. I like that. Can we can we just for for the listeners who might not be familiar with Runner, can you give us the the trailer level the explanation of what it is, and then Absolutely. as a curveball to you, I'm going to throw out which nation do you believe is the greatest racing racing nation in the world? Well, there's no question about the greatest racing nation. It's the Avalonian Union. They've been dominating for the last hundred years. Now the question is, will it be the Avalonian Union when the core and I pinch pinch team is done with them? <laughs> um, we don't know. So uh, I guess the, the quick explanation is uh, Runner takes place on a planet called Omega. And the planet Omega has evolved not with a warrior culture the way we exist on the United States, the way we exist on Earth, but with a racing culture where uh, disputes are settled through competition and speed rather than force. And, you know, back in tribal days, this meant two people racing on foot across a field or something. And as society has evolved and the technology has advanced, uh, now they race in these super high tech vehicles with these, you know, hundred person racing teams that are all supporting these drivers in these vehicles. And on the planet of Omega, once every 800 days, uh, every country on the surface of this planet nominates somebody they call their proxy runner and the proxy runner races on behalf of that nation in the omega race and the omega race is a multi-day 21 day 21 stage race all the way around the planet and the winner of the omega race gets to nominate the sovereign of the world effectively the emperor Um, and when we start our uh when we start our storyline it starts with the Avalonian Union having won the last hundred years of races. And every year they win, they get to make the rules, they you know, direct more resources towards themselves, their dominance grows, their control and power grows, they're a superpower. Um, but we enter our story with a down-and-out team from the nation of Corin, and Corin is a formerly a uh, very wealthy nation that has sort of been plundered by the Avalonian Union over the last few centuries and is now uh, fairly poor. And uh, they have this new young racer who's one of the best racers in the world, but he does not have a great rig. He does not have a great vehicle because uh, he doesn't have the money for it. However, there's this technology, and this technology has existed for quite a while, but it's finally... Um, you know, it, it's never really been used in racing because it's so dangerous. And the way this technology works is it allows you to see and navigate through wormholes. So if you are racing along and you see one of these wormholes, we call them pinches, uh, a, a, a runner might be able to thread the pinch and that will jump them, you know, maybe 10 feet, maybe 10 miles, maybe 100 miles into the future. Um, and they can win a race that way. And our friend, uh, Ozzy Vandal, who's the, the racer from Corin, uh, meets a woman named Jada Tran, who is the, she's developed a form of the pinch technology that is slightly more stable and slightly more predictable than any of the pinch technology has ever been before. And this might allow them if they can use it inside of the Omega race to compete with the Avalonian Union. Um, so it's a fun little uh, sort of technology might lift you out of servitude. Mm. Um, 
storyline, which I think resonates a lot with the people in Web3 and um, is a really kind of fun X factor when we talk about, you know, the potential for this, um, the potential for this story long term. There's other nations, of course. There's a nation called the Laurentian Provinces, which is a um, sort of frozen kind of tundra type culture um, that has been supplying energy resources to the Avalonian Union for a long time. So they don't win the races, but they often come close and their close relationship with the Avalonian Union wins them spoils anyway. Mm. Um, there's a more tropical nation called Gondwana. And the Gondwani people believe that racing is a spiritual experience. And so they only race on exposed vehicles like motorcycles. Um, we call them skimmers because they float above these, they, they float. Um, and not only that, but the Gondwani also have this other belief, which is that you can't race by proxy for someone. You can only race for yourself. And so the runner for the Gondwana nation is also the king of Gondwana, um, which is the only nation that does that where the sovereigns race um, for themselves, but they see it as an honor, an honor principle to do it that way. Um, and I think, you know, some of these depths that we've created in the cultures of these different nations allows people to kind of find something that they identify mm. with and you know um and and when they do that you know they pick kind of pick a team and i think that's been really fun um it's been the basis of a lot of our interactions in the discord um the way we're talking about um kind of structuring community competitions in the future and it's been uh, a really Kind of cool experience to watch people bring their own perspective to these nations and kind of take on the mantles of these nations as a personal identity and to own it uh, you know i guess that leads me into an interesting space which is i think very different to the world that you've been in for your career is the kind of audience and community exists before the product does so you've got fans and you've got people following you how has it been yeah. different in this way because you're applying a lot of the same thoughts and rigor and methodologies that you've done in all of your work but now the audience component is both i think the same you know when people are going to be consuming the media but also very different because mm -hmm. people are already there and they feel part of the journey i mean i'm sad my first edition comic hasn't arrived in africa yet even though I've seen people in North America holding theirs, um, but that's more of a fault of oh, I'm sorry. The, the South African postal system than than you. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, I think when I think about Web three and, and Film three in particular, the the biggest realignment that happens is where the consumer ends up on the pipeline. So in in the film world, um, the consumer is at the very end. Um, and even, you know, we can talk about companies that give fan service and give fans credit all the time. It happens a lot. You know, you've seen that red carpet interview where people say, and we're just so happy for the fans, happy we could do this for the fans, yada, yada. But all of those people are consumers. They're all at the complete end of the pipeline. Mm. And whatever we create up here, they get to spend money on and then they get it. And that's kind of the relationship. And what Web3 does is it takes the uh, fans from being consumers or only consumers and it brings them further up inside of this pipeline and it plants them, you know, not the very, very beginning all the time, but pretty early. And that way these fans can jump in and they can participate as a traditional consumer if they want to, but they can also participate as a creator. And, um, you know, one of the things we're doing is we will be sharing, uh, we will be licensing the the rights to um the profile picture characters what we call the character collection um to users and allowing them to go tell their own stories uh with those characters and i think um you know that's something that you'll never see from a traditional media like that is something that disney will never do mm. when people talk about being the disney of web3 it's like no i don't want to be the disney of web3 
right? I don't, I don't want to be the dragon that sits on a pile of IP gold, like a little, you know, <laughs> miserly protector, which is what those companies are. Um, because I've, you know, I've been on the internet a long time. Mm. I've seen the power of kind of group creation, mutual creation. Um, a lot of what inspired us to do this is also like uh, fan fiction and the way people interact in those communities, which is so inspiring, where you'll see people go and create, you know, novels, literal novels, uh, like fat, thick stories in these worlds that they love so much. And some of these things are, you know, some of it's trash, of course, but some of it's great. Mm. And the stuff that's great, unfortunately, you know, only ever lives on the internet. It doesn't get to get published and it doesn't get to get shared and it doesn't get to become a movie. And it's because um, the IP rights and the, IP, the way IP law works is so restrictive that it doesn't see that type of creation as a value add creation or as a, um, you know, as its own creation. And I think, you know, what we've been trying to do with Runner is inviting people in to create those products as part of our project mm. right create those elements as part of the greater runner project um, and then also allow them to exploit those things um, which which they should be able to if they're going to go into the work and put the work in and i think that's something that's very very different about our project that does not exist in traditional media and is you know incredibly exciting about web3 in general mm, i find this i find this super kind of uh, engaging that the people in your audience and and i also i don't believe that everybody who buys one of the characters is suddenly going to become a super fan and produce fiction uh, you know in their own stories and monetize it but those that have the skill passion and will to do so now have a vehicle to to participate and to monetize their their investment in this world in a unique way and i think you as the brand owner or the ip originator have this pool of talent that you can now tap into in a very interesting and novel way as you're rolling out these pieces you know, and you can pull them in and create things that you might never have considered uh, because you've only got the perspective yeah, of you have. And there are, of course, and there are so many ways to participate. You know, it, it's like there, one of the most inspiring things about being part of the Board of Yacht Club was watching, uh, you know, not just there are beverage brands, there are realtors, there's fast food. There's uh, a music label, you know, all of these things that have sprung up. There's this, you call it creative side projects, Mm. you know, people making YouTube series and the Jenkins team doing uh, their entire book series, all these other stories that are based around these characters. And I don't think any of these would have been the natural decision of one central entity. Mm. But what, what's happened is this group of thousands of people, out of that thousands of people, a, a handful, you know, 10, 15, 20, turn around and say, I'm going to use this to do this thing I was already doing. I'm going to use this as the branding on my coffee company, on my beverage company, on my, you know, whatever it is venture they're trying to do. And what they find by doing that is they have this piece of recognizable IP, but they also have immediately 5,000 fans, Mm. right, inside of the community that are rooting for them. Um, And so those 5,000 fans are just as important as these people that are going out and doing these ventures themselves. And I think, um, you know, I I will never disparage anyone for holding a project and being, you know, just an enthusiastic supporter of a project. Um, But allowing opportunities for people to participate more deeply if they want to is so new to web3 and something that is so different uh, and the possibilities of it are so exciting that that for me is like it's it's one of the major forces that say this is why we are creating inside of web3 mm. right 
this is why Runner is a Web3 project is for that kind of feedback cycle to exist. And so that participation can exist. And that is very different from how it would work in traditional media. But that is also what makes it, you know, really, really exciting. This is something we talk about a lot, which is, you know, this, this world we've created is good. The, the story is good. <laughs> the art we've created around it is good. Um, we can go and take this and we can walk this into every studio in town in two days, right? Like that's, that's our business. It's, you know, one phone call, one pitch, one phone call, one pitch, one phone call, one pitch. Like that's how they'll get set up. It's not hard. Um, but we're doing it this way instead because the possibilities of going community first allow First of all, creative elements that we might not even think of to happen, which are fun and exciting. You know, that's just a belief in the power of the internet, the power of collective mind, um, power of, call it like open sourced uh, creativity. Um, but then it also allows a certain amount of control to us, to the community that we would not get mm. if we go to a traditional studio. Um, you know, if we, we take this to Disney, right? They will pay us a fee to buy out all of the rights. And maybe if we can navigate the development process, you know, we have a, I don't know, 20%, 25% chance of actually getting made. But if we can go and build in Web3 first, and we can go build out a fan base, and we can build out the story, and we can build out Runner as, uh, you know, as a brand, as an entertainment product, then we can turn around and we can go to Disney and we can say, Hey, do you want to work together? But here are our conditions. Mm. And the conditions are, you know, we're in production by September 1st and we are, you know, you own the rights to this television show that we'll create, but you do not own the rights to merchandising. You do not own the rights to you know, these characters that we've granted to all the members of our community, you do not own the rights to these other things. And, and like being able to protect those assets mm. for ourselves and for our communities um, is, is worth doing. But I think it also because makes financial as, sense for them because you're saying I have 10,000 people who are rabid fans of this anyway. So whatever you produce yeah. is going to be financially successful. So it's worth it. Right. It, it, exactly. So it takes, it takes some of the risk out of it for them, mm. right? Because they're, they're in the risk business. Usually they're in the high risk business, um, which is why anytime they can get into the low risk business by, you know, remaking a beloved animated film or something, right. They'll go and mm. do it. Um, and you know, the same is true when we talk about books, for instance, right. It's like, you're not looking to capture you know, a, a good book will sell 50,000 copies in the United States. Like that's a pretty high number, mm. hundred thousand copies of book sales is huge in the U S. Um, and a good movie will get seen by 10 million people, 20 million people. Mm. Right. And so, um, you're not looking to just make a movie for parts of that book audience. You're trying to make a movie that the, the audience that bought the book will serve as your sort of like your, your petri dish mm. for the audience as a whole right and the same idea applies to web3 which is okay what's it take is it ten thousand people is it twenty thousand participants like what is it that you need to participate with your project in web3 to translate to um you know a real audience of some kind in a more traditional distribution model it's, I mean, it's very exciting. I'd just like to close out by understanding the the kind of the roadmap of pieces that you are, are kind of working on in kind of releasing this <laughs> this world. You did your first edition comic for a thousand people, and then the comic book was also sold to a few thousand more people. Can you talk about making the comic and what are the next sort of pieces in the the world that are coming out? 
Yeah. So, you know, the way we developed this originally, we knew we wanted to tell a story ourselves um, while we were also inventing this world that other people can participate in. We knew we had a couple of characters uh, that we wanted to, we had the story for. Um, and we wanted to tell that ourselves and we wanted to tell that through comic books. And the reason for that was comics are, you know, really the most visual storytelling medium outside of film and TV. Like a, a comic is really a storyboard for animation. Um, and we also thought that this world we were creating was, you know, it's big, it's complicated. It has a lot of rules. How do we teach people about it in a way that's fun in a way that's engaging? And the best way to do this is to create a story that can hold their hand and introduce them to all these different elements that can introduce them to the different, you know, dynamics of the, these countries that can introduce them to the political realities of this world. And it can introduce them to some of these cultural elements uh, that we'd like to incorporate across the collection. And so um, that was something we wanted to do very early on. It's, you know, the the first comic, like you said, we sold out of our first edition NFTs, which is sort of an early access pass. Um, there will be comics available with the mint passes that will go on sale soon. Um, and hopefully this comic and the, the later issues of this comic, where there are further issues, you know, in the works, um, will be a, a sort of a cultural touch point for everyone in the community because they can look at this comic and hopefully, you know, feel inspired about what this world can be and will be long-term. Um, right now, we are focused on the first edition claim, which happens this week. Um, there will be elements open to first edition holders um, that are very exciting. Um, including the internet game and some, uh, you know, other competitions that we're putting together and some games that we're putting together and some, you know, kind of exclusive member benefit type things. Um, long term, the goal is to get to uh, the PFP release and the uh, the sort of character collection. And then beyond that, we've got sites on everything from fashion to gaming to uh, entertainment. And uh, I think it's a really kind of exciting time to be an NFT. Mm. It is exciting. It feels it feels like we're watching the birth of a, a new sort of franchise that in 30 years' time you can be watching with somebody else and be like, oh, I saw the first the first comic book come out of that, uh, similar to how we see the Star Wars fans and the Star Trek fans arguing over which generation yeah. was better, which movie was the greatest and which pieces of it. But it's become yeah, a generational there's the thing. Star Wars. Absolutely. There's the Star Wars analogy. I also, I talk about Pokemon mm. a lot, um, just as, as a brand that's so inspiring to me because it's, it's obviously it's a TV show and it's a movie and it's a card game and it's a video game and it's a very successful merchandising line. Um, and like, which one is it though? Like, what is the core? Is it the video game or is it the television show or is it the, you know, the card game? Like which, which one of these things is in your mind, the original piece Pokemon, mm. right? Uh, what is it? And, and I think it depends on what country you lived in and how old you were. I think, you know, a lot of people, my generation first got introduced to the trading cards, even before the game was available in the United States or before the show played in the United States. And I think, um, the way that that has managed to evolve and stay relevant and stay exciting, um, and provide content for people who are older and also content for people that are younger and they can kind of coexist. And, you know, the Detective Re uh, Pikachu, kind of gritty PG-13 style reboot of the, of the property, mm. um, 20 years after its original release, like all of those things are incredible. Like that, it's like to create a piece of IP that can do that over decades um, is really, really exciting. And um, sort of, you know, I, I think about that as a North Star a lot. Um, similar Star Wars. 
Um, similarly, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, you know, th- those types of properties that have this kind of like evergreen uh, appeal mm. to them. That's super cool. Well, Bryce, we are we are out of time. Um, I'm very excited uh, for the the launch tomorrow. Tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, where I get to see Wednesday. my first character. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for pushing the limits of where IP and world building can go. And uh, yeah, I wish you and the team all the best. Yeah. I want to be. I want to be very clear that the first edition NFT claim is not a character claim. Um, the characters will be later, okay. and so you will not be getting a character on Wednesday. Sorry to no, disappoint you. I mean, how um, do we? End, but you will be getting a token. How do we end the podcast on such like a downer with my whole world crumbling around me? <laughs> um, well, the first edition token claim will come with. Uh, several opportunities for you to participate um, in a couple of different events that are as yet unannounced, but will be made clear in the next few weeks. Um, and so that should be very exciting. When do 10,000 people get to come and visit the clubhouse pictures office? Like, do we get a pass that allows um, us just rock up <laughs> whenever we want and drink coffee? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be spectacular. <laughs> I would love that. I wish that were the case. In, my, in our old office, before the pandemic, we had this incredible space. Um, and the pandemic happened and our lease was up and we you know, kind of looked at each other and were like, well, we haven't been there in six months. Maybe we should um, let it go. And we let the office go. And so we've been remote for the last uh, two years. And it's been, um, it's been great, but I do not have the ability to host 10,000 10, people. people in my apartment and that would be uh maybe a brian's house <laughs> maybe brian's house will handle it we'll ask him uh, well bryce thank you very much and um we'll catch all of you in the next one bye-bye thanks so much ross for listening we believe sharing knowledge is an obligation so if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work We're on a mission to build purposeful Web3 brands that people care about. We're based in South Africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.